0: Well, good morning. I'm Pastor Allen. I'm glad that you joined us. And Merry Christmas, if I don't see you all later. Um, we're glad that you're joining us, either online or in person. Excuse me a second here. All right, we're in a series called Missing Peace. We've been talking about it for a couple weeks, and we're finishing up today. Specifically talking about disappointed by God. Now, I don't know if you may, how many of you remember this time last year, but we are approaching 2020. Four twenty-three, and uh, I don't know how you approached this year. but We'd have been through a couple of years through, through COVID, and probably most of us had pretty optimistic view of twenty twenty-three. Um, we thought things, would, some things would better. Maybe things at work. Maybe things at school. Maybe things in some relationship, parent-child, husband and wife. Um, maybe you had some dream of maybe going back to school or going to school or maybe getting married this year. I don't know if any of you got married this year. Uh, Having children this year. Getting pregnant this year. Um, Lots of different things. Um, No matter what they were a year ago, I can almost guarantee you that not all those things came true, did they? And so there is some letdown. There is some kind of disappointment. And if you're a Jesus follower we tend sometimes to make that um, reflect on our God, right? Uh, Why didn't God do that for me? or Make that happen or allow that to happen. So I started on your outline this morning with this question. What do you do when you feel like God has let you down? Now, we talked last week that the events of Christmas happened after 400 years of silence. Uh, our Old Testament ends 400 years before the New Testament. And so God didn't speak through any prophets for all that time. Now we have these messages through the prophets before that. So this is a big, big deal when God all of a sudden declares himself again to the nation of Israel and to the world. So we're going to look at several, several of the Christmas text and draw some conclusions from those. So we're going to start in Luke chapter 2. That night Jesus was born, shepherds were staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Now, most experts believe these were sheep that were being raised to be offerings in the temple because offerings were bought in the temple for people's sin, and they had to have lambs and other animals to offer sacrifice. So these could very possibly be the shepherds that were raising sheep to be sacrificed for people's sin. And so this angel is going to come and declare to them that the Lamb of God was born, and we'd like to introduce him to you. So suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them. The Radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. So this was this uh, 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 this, uh, light display, whatever it might be. Now, we might see light displays now, but that would be unusual in in their day. So their response would be your your response. They were terrified. They'd never seen anything like this. What's going on? The angel immediately said, don't be afraid. I know it's scary, but don't be afraid. In fact, I've got some good news for you. News that will bring great joy, not only to you, not only to all the Israelites, but to all people. Well, are you interested? What's the good news (laughs) that they had to share? They told, the angel said, The Savior, yes, the Messiah. Now, we lose kind of some of that emphasis of the Messiah. They've been waiting for over a thousand years for the Messiah. And they believed the Messiah was going to throw off the Romans and their lives would get all better. And so this was huge news. He said he's been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. Prophecy from Old Testament said he had to be a line of David and had to be born in Bethlehem you will recognize him by this sign. Now, what is a sign? A sign is an object that points to a meaning or points to a direction. So this was a the child of God, son of God, being born to all mankind as a baby, lying in a manger, a feeding trough, not in a palace. He came for all mankind. And this baby came To die. Now, we're all going to die. We just had a funeral this week. Uh, We're all going to die, but we weren't born to die. We weren't born to die for all mankind, for the sins of mankind. This baby was born to die. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others. So now, instead of one angel, we've got a whole army of angels. And sometimes we think of angels being kind of meek and mild. Angels are like soldiers. They're messengers from God. And they're endued with the power of God. And so this would have been an overwhelming experience to these shepherds. Uh, The angels are praising God saying, glory to God in the highest heaven. Peace on earth, there's our phrase, peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. Now, we sometimes think about our peace, but all things are for whose glory? Not our glory but his glory. Now, I thought we'd kind of modernize this story. We all think about it taking place 2,000 years ago. And so I kind of thought of Jared and Claudia a um, year and a half or so ago. They got engaged. They've been dating for a while. Maybe Mary and Joseph also. And then maybe Joseph had planned that special moment when he was at ask, and he got down on his knees, and maybe there was a photographer or videographer there to catch the moment, and of course she said yes. And so the plans began, right, for that wedding. A venue was chosen, and a date was chosen, and a dress was bought, and and, uh, announcements were sent out, and plans were made for the ceremony, right? And there was probably plans for their future life. Joseph, a carpenter, maybe he was going to build them their first starter home. And then they had plans maybe to expand the business, hire some more people on. And when they got to the financially financial place where they could, could afford children, then they would start having children. Because children were a, a great heritage in, 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 uh, in their community, in their, in their culture. So they, I'm sure they had plans. Maybe plans, uh, you know, the white picket fence and eventually grandchildren and, and plans like all of us make when we meet that special person. But I put on your outline, this wasn't going to be that plan, was it? God interrupted Mary and Joseph's plans with the most complicated, untimely, inconvenient And from our perspective, a seemingly unfair assignment. All while they were doing exactly what God wanted them to do. So let's back up to the announcement that came to Mary about her future. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, So another angel, we got his name this time, <laughs> a village in Galilee. So Mary lived up north, the northern part of Israel in Galilee. <clears throat> Came to his virgin. Of course, her name was Mary. She was at this point engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. So their betrothal had already taken place. This was much more severe or or. or um, important than engagements are today. You're basically married without the consummation. In fact, we're going to see that to break this would require a divorce. So this message comes, Gabriel comes to Mary, appears to her and says, greetings, hello, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Now, we'd all love to hear that, right? You're favored by God, the Lord is with you. In her case, she was confused and disturbed. What in the world is this angel saying to me? What does this mean? Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. I'm a very unlikely person. I live uh, out in the the boonies and the sticks of, (laughs) of Israel in a small town, probably poor young girl of 13 or 14 years of age, very unlikely person in her perspective, probably our perspective, that God would come Specifically to her. Again, angel always says, "Don't be afraid." I know I'm scary. Don't be afraid. God's messenger got good news. For you have found favor with God. What does that mean? What is it going to look like? Well, you're going to conceive and give birth to a son, and you're going to name him Jesus. Well, you ladies, most ladies want to have children. This is a blessing from God, right? Children, and she's got a guarantee from this angel. She's going to have a son. I'm going to name him Jesus. Now, if you're favored by God, you would think, God's going to make my life pretty good, right? I'm going to have a better life than most people, an easier life than most people. She was to find out that that was not the case. So Mary asked the angel, How can this happen? I am a virgin. Logical question, right, ladies? And the angel was Kind enough to answer a question. You ever ask God a question and not get an answer? Well, she got an answer. Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, not stained by man's seed, as we talked about last week, and he will be called the Son of God. Mary, your child is going to be the Son of Almighty God. That's why you're favored. Mary's response. What would your response be? I would have lots of questions, but her response is this. And this is huge for her and for you and for me. I am the Lord's servant, meaning. Ever God wants, I'm here. I'm ready. I'm available. 13, 14 year old girl saying this to the angel. May everything you have said about me come true. And the angel left. There is such a tremendous trusting submission in Mary. And we wonder why God would pick some lady from no place and not any importance. I believe this is the reason. Her pure trusting submission. God, I want. Which you want, not knowing what that meant, of course. Flipping over to Matthew's account, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, ladies, when you get pregnant, that's an exciting news. For Mary, we can't imagine how exciting it would be because she is the mother of the son of God. I can't imagine the excitement she would have as she runs and tells Joseph, I'm pregnant by God. You're going to help me raise God's son. Is that Joseph's response? What's Joseph's response? Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and didn't want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly, divorce her. Why? Because people don't, virgins don't get pregnant, right? And Mary, I'm, either you're deluded, you're, or you you just been unfaithful to me. And he was a righteous man; he didn't want to embarrass her any more than already be embarrassed to be pregnant before marriage. And had anybody done anything wrong at this? Had Mary done anything wrong? Had Joseph done anything wrong? No. Imagine the disappointment at this point for Joseph. So I want to talk to you about two things about disappointment this morning, and we can see it in in this young couple's life. What do you do when you feel disappointed? Feel like God's let you down. Hasn't answered your prayer. You don't have to understand, you know, the plan to be able to trust that God has a purpose. You don't have to understand you can trust God has a purpose. Back to the verse in Scripture says this in the Proverbs. You can make your many plans, and we all do, and we should make plans, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. So have you made plans that are against God's purpose? I'm sure I have. They're not going to prevail. God's purpose will always prevail. So you and I should live with great thankfulness to the fact that God has purpose. And his plans override our plans when his plans are better than our plans. But in Mary and Joseph's case, he absolutely wrecks their plans. Back to Joseph. So what's he going to do? As he considered this, divorcing Mary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Well, she's been unfaithful. Um, I'm going to look like, you know, a fool marrying this person that, that had sex with somebody else. Or maybe people are going to think that we had sex before marriage. And we sin that way. Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. And all the pushback and the flack you're going to get. This child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Mary, Mary was telling you the truth. And she will have a son. And you're going to name him Jesus. Jesus? Why Jesus? What was his purpose? He will save his people from their sin. So you don't have to understand the plan to believe and trust God has a greater purpose. And secondly, when you're disappointed with God, it just might be a divine appointment from God. I shared a couple of personal illustrations this morning, the first service. I graduated high school. I'm ready to go off to college. And um, I love science and math. They were good classes for me in school. And so I enrolled in engineering at the University of Maryland. That summer, God came knocking. Said, "Um, uh -uh. (laughs) uh-uh. That's not my plan for you. You're going to be my spokesman. You're going to be a... Pastor, divine appointment. Some years later, actually I was in seminary at the time, and our pastor left to go to another church. And there were actually two of us in a small church like this. We had two of us that were seminary students. And we thought, well, one of us would become the pastor. My mom thought for sure they would ask me to be the pastor. And the first decision that church made was, Neither one of you guys are going to be the next pastor. (laughs) And it upset my mother. In fact, it upset her so much, she decided to move. I grew up, lived all my life to that point in in Glen Burnie, near Baltimore. And my mom decided to move. Now, I had, as I said last week, a brother and a sister had already been married, younger than me. One was at the University of Maryland. My mom didn't want to go there. May and Fred, many of you know, at that point lived in... Myersville, very beautiful place. My mother decided, we're going to move where they are with her first uh, grandson. And so that's what we did. Divine appointment. I uh, finished school, didn't have a church. In fact, being young, without a wife... uh, (laughs) Church just didn't want to hire me back then. Because I didn't want to be a youth pastor, I didn't want to be a regular pastor. And so uh, within a couple of weeks after finishing school, I was invited to help a small church out called Eccles Mill. There just happened to be a young lady there by the name of Debbie Jenkins, as you all know as Debbie Youngbar today, right? Divine appointments. I told God back when I was a teenager that I'll become a pastor if you just let me stay in Maryland. I don't know why I put that limitation on God. Did you ever try putting limitations on God? So, you know, I thought, well, you know, I didn't want to go, I was going to North Carolina. I didn't want to be a pastor in North Carolina. Or, you know, that's what I'm thinking. Okay, just, just in Maryland, as most of you know. We didn't move to another state. We moved to a whole other country. And we got the privilege of being missionaries and sharing the gospel with lostness in a place called Portugal. And then probably one of the most difficult things for us to understand (laughs) was when we didn't go back to Portugal. And within months after that decision, we showed up at the doors of this church. Not as a pastor, just as somebody attending. Divine appointment. We've been here for over 30 years. You may be disappointed, but it may be a divine appointment from God. In the case of Mary and Joseph, what was going on in the world that day was the Roman Empire controlled Israel. Lots of other places. The interesting thing is, though, uh, the Israelites didn't have to be soldiers in the Roman army. Other, other places they conquered, they, they would make people join the army. They didn't make the Israelites join the army, but they did help pay the way for the army. Means they taxed them, right? And so the Roman Emperor, Augustus, in this case, decreed the census should be taken not just in Israel, but all over, so we can tax people. We count the people so we can tax them, kind of like our government does, right? <clears throat> and so that was the case. So, to do this census, you had to go to your hometown. And text says it this way because Joseph was a descendant of King David, which was critical for prophecy, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. Now, again, they lived in Nazareth. It's like 90 miles. We made the trip, my wife and I, in a couple hours in a bus. Not quite so for them, especially with a pregnant lady. So, most scholars believe it took at least a week or more for Joseph and Mary to travel down to Bethlehem. And it wouldn't have been an easy travel, especially for a pregnant person. Uh, they didn't have hotels. Um, dangerous, uh, it could be crimi- uh, robbers, there could be uh, dangerous animals. It just, j- just wasn't, wouldn't be an easy, pleasant trip. we don't know how pregnant she was. In the pictures or movies, we see her, you know, delivering that first day she gets there. I don't think it was that soon, but it was soon after. He took with him, of course, Mary, who was engaged and now expecting this child. And while they were there, it doesn't say that night, when they got there, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. Pull pull that up, please. She gave birth to her firstborn son, Jesus, of course, wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth, laid him in a manger, because there was no lodging available for them. Kind of interesting, because I'm sure they had relatives there. In fact, maybe it was a relative that provided the place for them to stay. The houses those days often had a place in the back that where the animals stayed, and it wasn't a barn. Like, construction was probably just kind of a Place in the side of the, the side of the hill, in some shelter. And it wouldn't have been a very pleasant place, and God's son, Jesus, was born and laid in a again a feeding trough. Thinking back, what did Mary say when she got the announcement that she was going to be the mother of Jesus? Behold, I am the Lord's servant. May it be done to me according to your word. Didn't know what that meant. But soon after this, guess what happens? The king finds out that the king of the Jews was born. No, I'm the king of the Jews. We can't have two kings. We need to get rid of this this child. So Mary and Joseph don't go back to Nazareth, where do they go? They travel to Egypt again. We think of travel so easy, not so much in their day. And they stayed there until the king died. And then they were able to return to Nazareth. Then fast forward 33 years. May it be done to me according to your word. Can you imagine Mary standing there at the foot of the cross, watching her son be crucified? according to your word. That baby came to die for you and for me. So again, you don't have to understand God's plan when you understand his character. And what do we know first and foremost about God? He loves us. Proof is the cross. He loved us enough to sacrifice his most precious thing. So you and I might have a Forgiveness of sin and relationship with him. Whatever else you might think about God, you can't question his love. Also, you don't have to understand God's plan when you trust he has a purpose. It's a purpose. Our lives aren't meaningless. Our lives have a purpose. One purpose is to honor him. Another purpose is to share the good news with other people, uh, represent him well, be his servant in general specifically it's different for all of us. So what has been your disappointments this year? What has God not done that you hoped or wished he might have done? You prayed that he would do. Some physical ailment he didn't take to decide to heal maybe an illness that you didn't decide to heal. And you've lost a loved one this year. Maybe you had dreams of your your marriage getting getting exciting this year and it's just kind of fizzled out. Or maybe meeting that special person and the months have gone by and hadn't shown up yet. Do you trust God? Character? And do you trust he has a purpose? You have plans, but God has a purpose. You know who that purpose is? The good news, the great news, is that you and I are that purpose. Jesus died for us. God wants us to enter a relationship with him. And he wants us to worship and serve him. What do we need? What do we all need? First and foremost, forgiveness. So we might be in eternal relationship with Almighty God. And that's why Jesus came. She will have a son. You are to name him Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. So whatever pain, whatever disappointment you've had this year, God says, "My goal is for you to have peace with Me, first and foremost." So, is there some place you feel God has let you down? How can you begin to trust Him? He has a greater purpose. It's my assignment it for you this week. One other thing before we dismiss, um, <clears throat> the Lord's laid on my heart a few months ago, reading statistics and listening, that the ignorance of God's word. In God's church so I want to have a challenge to you as a congregation that we read God's Word daily this year we'll post a daily Bible reading Old and New Testament each day all through the year we made a yearly copy here you can take those with you now if you've never done this if you've never read the Bible before it will be a huge challenge for you to get through the whole thing in a year. It only takes about 15 minutes a day. But once you miss a day or two, then it's hard to catch up. So, if you don't think you can do that, I'm going to challenge you just to, to read the New Testament through a year. It takes you five minutes a day. You got five minutes a day? Five minutes a day, you can read God's Word, New Testament, in a year. 15 minutes, the whole God's Word we can't be ignorant of God's word as God's children. And so that's my challenge to you. And we'll post this other places. I would encourage you to get a modern translation of scripture. You can pick what you want. And even if you have trouble reading, it's so easy today to just listen to God's word. If you drive more than 15 minutes a day, you can listen to God's word just while you're driving. Won't inconvenience you at all. And we'll talk about this periodically through the year. But that's my challenge for you. If you miss a day or two, catch up or start again. But we need to be aware of God's Word. As most of us will say, we believe this book. Have you read it? So, will you pray with me to accept that challenge this year? So, as you have children, that your children may do. That. I started doing this as a young teenager, and I've done it every year for my whole entire life. So I pray that blessing for you. So let me pray with you, and we'll be dismissed. Father God, thank you. We thank you that we make plans, but you make better plans, and your plans have greater purpose than our plans. Uh, we're, our plans sometimes are just just for life to go go good and 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 be easy. Mary and Joseph's life certainly wasn't easy. But what other greater purpose could there be? We would all be without hope, without Jesus. So Father God, we thank you for the forgiveness you bring through your son Jesus as he conquered death and rose from the dead. And I pray for anyone here or anyone that's listening who's not ever stepped across that line. This would be the greatest Christmas of your life as you enter in to an eternal relationship of forgiveness with Almighty God through Jesus. You'll truly understand the meaning of the season. God, most of us are Jesus followers, and we pray that we represent you well in this season. And I pray for all of us that we would be faithful to you and to your word. We need to know it. So help us through this pretty big challenge to read your word this year. For your glory and your honor, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.